Let's bow in prayer together. Father God, we thank you this morning that we could celebrate Easter, that you rose again. You're not in the tomb anymore. Father God, because you live, we will live everlasting life with you. Father, while we're here on this earth, help us to be light and salt that you've commanded us to be with your strength and only that way. Father, as we break up into prayer time, Father, may our needs be brought to your throne and we know you will answer. Whether it's the answer we think, we know it's always the best answer because we know that all things work together for good. Your good, which is our good. Thank you again for the beautiful day and just pray that you will lead and guide that whatever we do and say today would bring honor and glory to your name. In Jesus' name, amen. Welcome back over here. Wanted to make sure we had plenty of time for prayer because prayer is a battle. It's a battleground. But when we bring things to the Lord in our small prayer groups and we see God answer, we should be encouraged to continue to pray, continue to see God answer our prayers in ways that we would have never thought of, which is good because His ways are higher than our ways. So that's when we put our trust in him. Well, growing up in the Midwest, getting directions could be quite a challenge. Grew up in Kansas. Carol and I both grew up in Kansas. And I remember growing up and they, I'd say, you know, where is so-and-so live? Well, you go down about a quarter mile, turn left at where the pond that's dried up, turn left over there, go down about a half a mile, And remember where potters used to live. You turn right there, go down the dirt road, you know how that went. And so when you'd go try to find that house, you know, you kind of got turned around a few times. And finally you'd see a house in the middle of a wheat field and that was probably it. And when you were planning a vacation years ago, you bought a Rand McNally Road Atlas. And so you'd get a highlighter and you'd say, okay, here's where we want to go and here's where we need to travel and we're going to go on the interstate, we're going to take two lanes, whichever way we use there to get where we wanted to go. Now we have GPS, which navigates for us. It tells us where to go. If we make a wrong turn, we hear that monotonous phrase, recalculating, recalculating. Like you made a wrong turn, you didn't go where I told you to go, so they have to recalculate. Directions in life can be very confusing at times. There are self-help books for about everything from fixing an electric outlet to replacing a light bulb. And of course, there's always Home Depot. And if you can't figure out how to do something, there's usually somebody nearby who will tell you how to do it. The more complicated issues in life steer us to seminars on buying a home or job fairs that offer careers in about any field. People are searching for answers to what to do with their lives. What career? I remember not too long ago was buying a shed at Lowe's with our neighbor and a young man saw we had retired caps on and he said, you know, I'm thinking about the military. So Instead of right away buying a shed, we ended up talking to him about the pros and cons of a military career. 
Men and women being released from uh, Pinellas County Jail. They're seeking redirection in life as they complete their sentence. Where do I fit in? Where can I get help? Where can I get assistance? The list could go on and on. But for Christians, what are some divine directions for life that we can follow every day? And we're going to look at a very familiar two verses in God's Word. You'll know it as soon as we turn to it. But join me in Proverbs chapter 3. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6, give us three action steps to take in finding God's divine directions for life. Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6. Very familiar, but verses that I think we need to relook at from time to time to remember with the Lord in our lives, we never should feel lost. Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will make your paths straight. Before we look at these reminders, let's bow in a word of prayer. Father God, just through your Holy Spirit, teach us. We're very familiar with these verses, Lord, but we need to apply them every day sometimes many times a day. And Father, I pray as we look at your word that you would guide us and not only in understanding but in applying your word to each of our lives. We thank you, Lord, for what you are doing and will do. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, the first action step to finding divine directions for life is shared in that first part of verse 5. Trust in the Lord. Trust means to place our hope or confidence in something or someone. The idea is to cast one's cares upon someone. It's pictured as someone leaning on someone in order to rest upon them. It's the same word used in Psalm 37, 3. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and cultivate faithfulness. It's repeatedly used in Psalm 115, beginning at verse 9. O Israel, trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. O house of Aaron, trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. You who fear the Lord, trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. And then in Proverbs 29:25, the fear of man brings a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord shall be safe. The idea of trust that I observed while watching my grandchildren learn how to swim, trusting that lifeguard Carly or a granddaughter who had to believe that the balloon floats would actually keep her afloat as she got away from the side of the pool. And kept her head above water. And Lucas, trusting our daughter-in-law Becky to hold him up as he kicked his feet repeatedly. I didn't know he could kick his feet that fast in the water to keep himself up and to learn to float. Who are we to put our total confidence in? It says here, trust in the Lord. Like Noah in Genesis 6, who built an ark having never seen rain. Think about that a moment. God said, I'm going to send a flood and they'd never seen rain. But Noah trusted God that it was going to happen because God said it. 
Or I love the story in Matthew 14 of Peter when the storm was great and they saw Jesus walking on the water and Jesus said, it is I, do not be afraid. And then Jesus said to Peter, you know, come, get out of the boat. And what did Peter do? He stepped out of the boat. Would we have been like the other disciples and said, oh, Peter, you need to really think about this. Stepping on water, walking on water. But Peter said, Jesus said, come, I'm going to obey him. I'm going to trust him. And he stepped out of the boat, started to sink, cried out for help. And the Lord went over and grabbed him and they walked back to the boat together. That's total confidence in the Lord. There's many, many examples of trusting in Jesus alone. Let's look at a few of those in Matthew chapter 9. And we see quite a few things going on there with Jesus' ministry here on this earth. Matthew chapter 9, beginning at verse 2. We see in this chapter quite a few examples of trusting in Jesus alone. It says there, beginning of verse 2 of Matthew 9, And they brought him to a paralytic lying on a bed. Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralytic, Take courage, son, your sins are forgiven. Some of the scribes said to themselves, This fellow blasphemes. And Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said, Why are you thinking evil in your hearts? Which is easier to say, Your sins are forgiven, or to say, Get up and walk. But so that you may know that the Son of God has authority on earth to forgive sins. Then he said to the paralytic, Get up, pick up your bed and go home. And he got up and he went home. Power of God. Trusting in Jesus alone. Look at verse 18 of Matthew 9. While he was saying these things in them, a synagogue official came and bowed down before him and said, My daughter has just died. But come and lay your hand on her and she will live. Jesus got up and began to follow him and so did his disciples. And a woman who had been suffering from a hemorrhage for 12 years came up behind him, touched the fringe of his cloak. For she was saying to herself, If I only touch his garment, I will get well. But Jesus turning and seeing her said, Daughter, take courage. Your faith has made you well. At once the woman was made well. Then when Jesus came into the official's house, saw the flute players, a crowd in noisy disorder, he said, leave for the girl's not died but is asleep. And they began laughing at him. But when the crowd had been sent out, he entered, took her by the hand, and the girl got up. This news spread throughout all that land, trusting in Jesus alone, the power of God. We can have Total confidence when we trust in the Lord. In life, our Lord Jesus Christ must be the first stop, not our last. As we're told here in Proverbs 3, 5, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Not part of it, but all of it. This speaks of a childlike surrender to God, total faith in Him, claiming and living by Romans 8, 28. It's surrendering our hearts, humbling our attitudes, and looking to God for the answers to life's questions through His Word. We can surrender to God every day because we have the Holy Spirit who intercedes for us and guides us. 
John 16:13 reminds us However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak of his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will tell you things to come. Trusting in God. Here's how one man incarcerated in Georgia, serving time in Georgia, put it. His name is Julius. And he wrote this as he serves his time. I hope I can get through it because it really speaks to me. It's entitled, I Need You. Lord, I need to talk to you for direction and for guidance. My life seems to be at a standstill. I'm so lost and I need finding. Make me lie down in green pastures. Lead me beside the still waters. I need you to take control of my life for the sake of my son and daughter. You alone know what's best for me. I need your grace and mercy. Protect me from the evil one and the wicked when they try to hurt me. Cleanse me thoroughly, inside and out. Wash me in your blood. I know you will never forsake me or separate me from your love. I need to worship you because you deserve all the praise. I need your forgiveness daily for all my sinful ways. You are my Lord and Savior, the way, the truth, the life, the end of the day, bottom line, all I need is you. That should be our prayer, our thoughts. As we go through the day, Lord, we need you. We need, sometimes we need the Lord to encircle us with his, with his arm, so to speak, and, and just hug us close to him. Because God is always there for us. We can't half-heartedly put our confidence in the Lord because then it isn't real trust. But when we totally lean on the Lord in order to rest upon Him, get our strength from Him, we know from His Word that He will never leave us nor forsake us. So we need to trust in the Lord. That's the first action step. When we wake up in the morning, we say, Lord, I'm going to trust you for today. I don't know if I have beyond today here on this earth, but I know where I'll be for eternity. And we say, Lord, use me today. Help me to see the divine appointments you have set up. God set them up for everyone here. Somebody you're going to have contact with, somebody you may bump into on the street that only God knows about, but God set it up. And he wants us to respond. He wants us to share the gospel. He wants us to share he is risen, as we just celebrated on Easter. The second step, the action step, to finding divine direction in life is shared in the rest of verse 5. It says, do not lean on your own understanding. The world says, lean on your own understanding. God says, no, don't lean on your own understanding. It's very easy to get influenced so much by the world around us that we forget how important it is to have that intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. Leaning on our own understanding can lead to disappointment, discouragement. Proverbs 5:21 says, "For the ways of a man are before the eyes of the Lord, and he watches all his paths. 
His own iniquities will capture the wicked and he will be held with the cords of his sin. He will die for lack of instruction and the greatness of his folly. He will go astray. The Lord is watching. Say, well, somebody didn't see it or my employer didn't see what I said or thought. And I don't know about you, but one area that I think is a constant battleground is our thoughts. Because we'll say, well, I didn't do that. But the Lord says, yes, you did. In your mind, you did it. We're warned of that in Matthew. We're told that when we think it in our mind, in God's eyes, we've committed it. And so our thoughts have to be given to the Lord as well. And we have those thoughts that we shouldn't be having. It says, lean not. It means don't rely or trust in our own understanding because when the going gets tough, it'll crumble. Here's a short prayer that I just came across as I was looking at this and asking the Lord to guide me. I saw this prayer. And again, there's a little booklet called Loaves and Fishes that I get about twice a year. Doug gets that as well. We give those to inmates at Pinellas County Jail. But there, it's a compilation of thoughts, testimonies, prayers, poems of inmates incarcerated around the whole country. This is a, a man named James. He's serving time in Newport, Arizona. My name is James Williams, but those who know me in the free world call me Robbie. I'm incarcerated in the Arkansas Department of Corrections. My drug addiction and my ways of living have made this my fourth time in prison. I know God loves me, wants me to live a life that pleases Him. I also know I cannot remain drug-free without God's help. The following is a prayer I've recently continued to pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you in Jesus' name and I beg you to help me learn the difference between your voice and my thoughts. Help me learn to listen to you and follow you as you guide my footsteps so I can learn to live a life that pleases you. Help me to do my part in dedicating my life to you, Heavenly Father. Please help me get my heart right before you and forgive the intent of my heart that I have had. I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. We need to spend time in prayer wherever we are, whether it's behind bars serving time, whether it's getting up in the morning, whether it's talking to our neighbor about all the weeds that are coming up on the border. <laughs> whatever it is, we need to to be praying about it. Because it does make a difference when we pray ahead of time. Too often we get into things and then we react rather than respond as God leads. Solomon gives us a summary of how man's understanding stacks up in Ecclesiastes 12. All that we can come up on our own doesn't add up to God's ways, do they? All of it is... What does he say? Vanity. It's empty. But our purpose and hope to get up and serve God today comes from God. Examples of those who leaned on their own understanding. I remember Jonah. Jonah thought he had it figured out, didn't he? 
God said, no, you don't have it figured out, Jonah. In fact, you're going to do something that I don't know anyone else who spent time inside of a great fish. So you can learn to pray one-on-one with me. Gehazi had his own understanding, didn't he? When Naaman was healed of the leprosy and all that gold and silver was going down the road, Gehazi ran over there and he said, hey, I'll take a little bit of that. Was he able to hide it? No, he wasn't. Because Elisha, God made it clear to Elisha he had done that. He was trying to hide it and he ended up with the leprosy, didn't he? And then, of course, King Nebuchadnezzar, one of my favorite. Daniel served him, but King Nebuchadnezzar said, look at what all I've done. And the Lord said, okay, back 40 for seven years. You'll be like a cow until you learn that except that I gave you that position, you wouldn't have it. God's in charge. God's in charge. But then we look at Job. He leaned on God when the severe trials came. Job 1, 20 to 22, we know those verses. He still was praising God, even though it seemed like everything around him had crumbled and everything had gone away from his riches to his family. But he continued to trust God. While serving as a chaplain in Pinellas County Jail, I remember one inmate who constantly tried to figure out everything. He said, no, why did this happen? And why did this happen? And You know, how God works in in every person's life, I don't have an answer. But we started memorizing Scripture. And I remember the first verses it gave him was Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Verses that remind me and reminded him, be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer, supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passes all human understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And once those verses took into his heart, he said, I'm just trying to learn every day what God wants me to learn. Whether it's here in Pinellas County Jail, he was on his way up the road to serve 10 years. But he said, every day is a gift from God to use me where I'm at. That's how we should look at life. A song by Lauren Daigle reminds us not to lean on our own understanding. And that is so hard not to do. Because the world says that's the way to do it. And I'll just share a little bit of it. I'm not going to sing it. It's entitled, You Say... I keep fighting voices in my mind that say I'm not enough. Every single lie that tells me I will never measure up. Am I more than just the sum of every high and every low? Remind me once again just who I am because I need to know. You say I am loved when I can't feel a thing. You say I am strong when I think I am weak. You say I am held when I'm falling short. When I don't belong, oh, you say that I'm yours. And I believe, oh, I believe what you say to me. The only thing that matters now is everything you think of me. In you, I find my worth. In you, I find my identity. We're honored be called Christians, to be serving the Lord 
today here on this earth. Maybe our last day we, for some of us. We don't know. The Lord could come in the next minute and we'd all be in heaven with the Lord. We don't know. But every moment is a gift from God. We get our direction. We get our life from Jesus Christ. That's our hope. And believe me, the world is crying out. Somebody tell me where the hope is because they're lost as we were before we became his. Understanding here comes to discernment, insight, to mark or distinguish. We can't depend on our own insights because they'll mislead us. So now we've come to our third action step to finding divine guidance in life. And that's first part of verse 6. Acknowledge Him. Acknowledge God. In all your ways, acknowledge Him. All of our ways. Everything we do and think needs to be acknowledged that God is in charge. Ways means the path in which we go. Each day we're still on this earth. We're to acknowledge God means to know Him. Know God as it's written in 1 Chronicles 28.9, As for you, my son Solomon, know the God of your father. Serve Him with a whole heart and a willing mind. For the Lord searches all hearts and understands every intent of the thoughts. If we believe God is truly sovereign, we will acknowledge him, whatever comes into our path each day, and giving Him the glory and the honor that He deserves. The big question in this, do we acknowledge God beyond our actions, as we spoke about earlier, including our thoughts? Because as we talked earlier, Matthew 5 talks about our thoughts do matter to God. And if we think evil of our brother, we're angry with our brother, we don't deal with it, we're actually guilty of murder. John MacArthur shares this about acknowledging God. He says, and here's a thought about thoughts. If you knew the thoughts of the person beside us, we'd probably move. <laughs> I don't know if that's necessarily true today, but... He shared that insight. Horatio Spafford, who wrote the hymn, It is well with my soul, acknowledged God in tragedy as his daughters drowned in the Atlantic Ocean while crossing from New York Harbor to England, recorded those words, It is well with my soul. Deep down, God had control in his life. And he wrote the words to the hymns. He went across the ocean, passed over where that ship went down, and his daughters drowned. He wrote those words. We must recognize God in everything that comes into our lives, including trials and suffering. James 1, 2, and 3, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. And there's that word we don't like to talk about, but it needs to be in our lives, patience. We get in a hurry too often. 
God says, I want you to learn. I want your faith to stretch. And so I'm not going to work this out immediately. I've got something better, but I want you to wait. We say, no, no, I'm used to the fast line here. I want service immediately. It doesn't work that way with God. God's plans take whatever time God says it's going to take. We can't hurry him along. He's in charge, and that's hard. I know it's a battle for all of us to say, God, take your time. Oh, we don't want to say that. We want the answer right now. Commentator Charles Bridges shares, Ever plan for yourself in simple dependence on God. It is nothing less than self-idolatry to conceive that we can carry on even the ordinary matters of the day without his counsel. Everything. God needs to be involved in our lives. What does it say in Psalm 139? Let's look back. The reminders are there. God knows it all before we even think it. And I'm always so amazed at this psalm, a reminder again. God knows us before we even know what we're going to say. Beginning of verse 1, Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down, when I rise up, you understand my thought from afar. You scrutinize my path and my lying down and are intimately acquainted with all my ways. Even before there is a word on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it all. You have enclosed me behind and before and laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It's too high. I cannot attain to it. God knows our thoughts before we think them. That's how much God knows us. You say, well, that's kind of scary. Well, it should be kind of scary. We need to to turn that part of our lives over to Him as we do every part of our lives. So Psalm 139, a reminder. But as we've taken these three action steps here in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, that we're trusting in the Lord, with all our hearts, not part of it, that we're not leaning on our own understanding and that we're acknowledging him in all our ways, now we come to the promise of verse 6. And this promise is one we can claim every day, every minute. It says, and he, God, will direct our path. He will make your paths straight. God is in charge. God is the one that's in control of everything that comes into our life. God's never taken by surprise. Think about that for a moment. Are we ever taken by surprise? Say, wow, I didn't plan on that. Now what am I going to do? God isn't that way. God already knows all of that. He's in charge. He's our creator. He's our deliverer. And he's our savior. No one is greater than God. Nothing is beyond God's power. And he says here, he will direct. He will make our paths straight. Do we need directions in life? We're like in the Midwest, you know, where so-and-so used to have a barn or somebody's pond dried up or someone used to live there. 
those aren't clear directions, but from God they will always be clear because he's directing, he's controlling. And sometimes we fight him. Sometimes we say, Lord, I want to turn over here. And the Lord says, let me do the driving. Let me do the driving. You have faith. You trust me that God knows what he's doing. God's divine directions will never steer us wrong. Why? Because God can't steer us wrong. He's perfect. He's holy. And by God's grace, we can approach God's throne in time of need and find grace and mercy through Jesus Christ. We can't do it on our own, only through Jesus Christ. Art, a young man serving time in Nashville, shares this, and I want to share with you. Art Maisie, he's at the DeBerry Special Needs Facility in Nashville, serving 10 years. I pray the Lord to hold my hand and guide my feet each day while teaching me to walk by faith the straight and narrow way. For as we walk this road of life, not knowing when or where, we must take that final step into glory, our despair. So when I cross life's finish line and feel God's warm embrace, I'll know I only made it there by God's amazing grace. For when the Lord returns again, the dead in Christ will rise, and we who are alive ascend to meet him in the sky. But only those who are prepared will stand before the Lord to greet him as the King of Kings with heaven as reward. For only names in the book of life will reach that holy sod and taste fruit from the tree of life and approach the throne of God. Walking by faith, step by step. I used to say, take it one day at a time. I say sometimes take it one step at a time. Because a day can sometimes seem like a long time, can it? But God is with us every step of the way. As we put ourselves into God's hands and trust Him and we cry out for His direction, say, God, Help me not to have my own way. That's a hard prayer. Because we think sometimes we've got it all planned out. And God says, no, no. There's a curve coming. You better notice that curve. Because that's the path I want you to have. Because when we have those trials, when we have the curves in life, God is saying, I want you to trust me more. I call those faith stretchers. When God brings a trial in our life, we can have a faith stretcher where it gets longer or we can get angry, we can get disappointed and say, God, what are you doing? We say, God, I trust you that you know what you're doing. We have his word. We have fellow believers that we worship and praise God with here at Lakeside. And most of us, most of all, we have Jesus who saved us and will be with him forever. Let these steps in Proverbs 3 be an encouragement and help all of us here this morning to walk on this earth one step at a time, leaning on Jesus. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for your word. Thank you for the reminder in Proverbs, Lord. All of your word is so rich. We need it 
But Father, not only to hear it, but to do it. To live it. To show in our lives that that you're real because they can see a glimpse of Jesus in our lives somehow in some way. Not that we become proud, but so you get the honor and the glory. Thank you again for your word this time together. And I pray, Father, as Pastor Steve shares with us from your word in a short time, Father, we would all be challenged. We would hear, but we'd also do. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.